Hello and welcome to The Forge. My name is James and this is the place where I teach verse by verse through the Bible. I am a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant who went on to serve the Lord's Church as an assistant pastor, worship leader, and youth pastor. During my time in these roles, I finished seminary and I hold a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and a Master of Divinity. I've been involved in ministry in some form for over 25 years, and it is my hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you as I teach from God's Word, the Bible. Forge exists to serve those whom the Holy Spirit is calling into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is done through biblical teaching so that individuals understand God's forgiveness, live in its reality, and overcome the wounds caused by bondage to sin. I will always hold to the truth found in scriptures, and a summary of my doctrinal statement is worded perfectly in the five solas of the Reformation. I believe Christians experience gratefulness and renewed purpose as they are encouraged by the words of life, which spring from the Bible. I pray that this podcast plays a role in God's ongoing work in your life. Don't forget to look in the show notes for links to the podcast website where you can leave a donation or leave a voice message with questions. I will be collecting questions for a future Q&A podcast. Also, please leave a review on whatever platform you are using. That and telling others about this podcast are the two biggest things you can do for me. Now grab your Bible and get ready for a verse-by-verse study. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Hello again and welcome back. And as always, I'm thankful that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast and in particular this episode. We are now in Genesis chapter 24 and here we read an amazing story of love and we see ultimately the story of redemption being painted for us here. Um, As we have seen in past chapters in the book of Genesis. There's not going to be an exception here in chapter 24 um, in that there are parallels to things that we see in the New Testament. I would call your attention to Acts chapter 15 verse 14, Acts 15, 14, and 2 Corinthians 11, 2. That's 2 Corinthians 11, 2. And we see there in those scriptures that the Holy Spirit was sent to bring out of Gentile nations a people who would compose the bride for Christ. Remember these passages, these two that I just mentioned, as we look at the story of Isaac the son, his father Abraham, the servant that was sent to find the bride, and that chosen bride by the name of Rebekah. I believe our culture could learn a few things. We would do well to study the process by which a wife was chosen for Isaac. Far too often in our Western culture, we just kind of let it happen when it comes to love and marriage. There is a romantic notion when we think about marriage in our culture, and indeed there is romance involved. I don't want to say that there isn't. But we must be led by more than our feelings. More than our feelings. We find here an example of following God and putting Him first. Not emotions, which can fade over time. But putting our faith and our hope in God and what He commands. Because He doesn't change our emotions, our feelings, those things are going to change. And we're not told anywhere in God's Word to just kind of let it happen. I've heard people say, oh, you know when it's right. You just know it. It's just something you know. 
Well, what happens if you don't know that tomorrow? What happens if the attitude changes tomorrow? So as we study Abraham, Isaac, the servant, and the wife, Rebecca, I want you to notice how these people relied upon God. And I would suggest that we do the same as we comp- contemplate marriage, and not just marriage really, but any relationship. I would add, you know, a man should never tell a woman that he loves her unless he's already prepared to marry her. I would suggest to women be very careful who you give your heart to. Remember, some people will say anything you want to hear as long as they can get what they want out of you. So give your heart to God. He will lead you to the correct mate, just as he did in the example that we find here. As we go through chapter 24 in this particular episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different. And I am going to read a quote to you from a book entitled A Handbook on Genesis. It's by William Rayburn and Ewan Fry. And it's a commentary. It gives a little explanation on how words are translated. And it gives a slight commentary on Uh, each chapter in the book of Genesis in this handbook. So here's what they say. Quote, chapter 24 is a single story in which the aging Abraham instructs his head servant to go back to his home country in Mesopotamia to get a wife for Isaac from Abraham's kinsman. The events of the story center on the unnamed servant. But the story reveals how it is the Lord who selects Rebecca to be Isaac's wife. This chapter, the longest in the book of Genesis, takes up one of Abraham's last acts. The story is laid out in five episodes, and each episode except the last contains a development of tension or a complication that is then resolved within that same episode. The five episodes begin at verses 1, 10, 28, 54, and 62. So what I decided to do in this episode of the podcast, not to be confused with the episodes that they are referring to uh, in in their commentary, was I was going to follow the outline given in the book from uh, which I just read, the handbook. On Genesis. I'm going to read each section according to the divisions that they've suggested. I'm going to stop and make my comments there and then move on to the next section. So join me now as we read God's Word beginning in Genesis 24 and taking the first nine verses. That's Genesis 24, the first nine verses, the Word of God. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore 
to him concerning this matter. So here are some comments for you. So as we look at the first nine verses of chapter 24, we find that um, Abraham would be 140 years old, Sarah is dead, Isaac is 40 years old, and we'll uh, get to that later. It'll be in the course of our reading. But we do not have a lot recorded here about Isaac's young life. So keep in mind, as I've mentioned before, we have a summary throughout the book of Genesis. But even in that summary, there's a couple of points that I think we should notice here. First point we should notice, Isaac had complete trust in his father's choice for Isaac's wife. Say that again. Isaac had complete trust in his father's choice for Isaac's wife. Next, we see that they realize a suitable wife for Isaac could not be found among the Canaanite people. And I'll say that again. We see that they realized a suitable wife for Isaac could not be found among the Canaanite people. Now the question is, why? Well, here's the answer. Because they did not have a proper relationship with the one true living God, and they did not have the covenant that God made with Abraham. So we already can see that God had a chosen people, an elect people from out of the other nations of all the earth. Abraham is setting an example which has not yet been given by the law of God to his nation. But Abraham is setting a precedent here that his descendants should only take wives from their own nation, not the wicked Canaanites. And as our story develops, you should notice that Isaac stays in Canaan. In fact, Abraham says, I don't want my son going back there. I want my son to stay here. Isaac does not leave Canaan. It was his promised land. So we have a father, Abraham, who was too old to make a 500-mile trip back to Mesopotamia. And obviously that would be a 1,000 miles round trip. And we have a son whose name is Isaac, and he's not leaving the promised land. But notice what the father does here. The father sends his servant to secure the bride for the son. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but the servant Abraham sends out could have been Eliezer. And I tend to believe that that's who it was. It was Eliezer. Now, he's not named. So I want to be careful to tell you when something is in the scripture versus when something is my opinion. And this is one of those examples. I believe he's not named. And I'm going to get to a reason why he's not named a little later on. But I, but I tend to believe it was Eliezer. And his name means God is my help. And in John 14, we read of the one who is to come alongside and help the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. So we see that there's an analogy going on here, and I, I hope you can see it, and that is this. The Father sends the Comforter, that would be the Holy Spirit, to a far-off land to gather a bride, to get a bride, which is another name. Bride is another name for the church. And the church comes to the son. Now, why is Eliezer not mentioned by name? Well, he could be dead. Or it could be that his name is not mentioned here because he is acting in the name of Isaac, the son. And remember, this is these are the words of Jesus concerning the comforter. This is what he says. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. 
You can find that in John 14, 26 and John 16, verse 13 and 14. Dear friends, this is good news. It's great news. It's amazing because you see the gospel here being foretold through shadows and types in the Old Testament. So we also come across this phrase here as Abraham is instructing his servant. He he uses this phrase, we see it here, that he says, I want you to put your hand under my thigh. The scripture says he put his hand under the thigh of Abraham. And I must admit to you that the first time I read this, I did not have a clue what was going on here. And when I read it, I imagined Abraham sitting down on Eleazar's hand and somehow Eleazar's hand is sort of underneath the upper portion of Abraham's leg, his thigh, but I still didn't get it. I honestly just thought it was some kind of ancient custom and I didn't know anything about it. But let me share with you a quote from Dr. Morris in his book, The Genesis Record. And this is what he says. He says, ancient Jewish commentators understood this promise to be a euphemism for placing the hand under the male genital organ and to have a symbolic meaning akin to that of circumcision. And I would also add R.C. Sproul's comments here. He says the loins were viewed as the source of vital and procreative power. So. What is going on here is something very serious and it's not perverted and there's no reason to take it as some kind of gross perversion or take this and run with it. But Abraham is stressing to his servant, whom, as I've said, I believe was Eliezer. He's saying, you must get this right. You've got to be led by the spirit of the living God. Because from this bride will come the descendants of a great nation. My promised seed will come through this line. Choose wisely. But we also see, as Abraham is stressing this to his servant, we see Abraham's complete faith in God at this point to provide a woman for Isaac. And it seems that at this point, after learning the very painful lessons with Hagar, Abraham knew not to trust in the flesh. So now we're going to move on to what I'm going to call Act 2. Act 2, beginning at verse 10. And here again, we hear the words of the living God, beginning at verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master." And it happened before he had finished speaking that, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let down her pitcher to her hand and gave him a drink. 
And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feet enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And now my comments. At this point, you might need a little bit of a refresher on family history. I want to remind you of who these players are in our story as it unfolds here in Act 2. If you're keeping notes, you might even want to write this down so you can keep these names straight and you can see the relationships. I've done this many times and it has been a help to me to keep things organized so I know who is who. So here we go. Milka was Lot's sister. Milka was Lot's sister. Remember, their father died early. Abraham took Lot as his own son and raised him. And you'll remember that Lot fled into the hills at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Nahor is Abraham's brother. Abraham's brother. And he took Milcah, Lot's sister, and married her. So Nahor and Milcah had Bethuel. Bethuel was the father of Laban, who we haven't seen yet, but we're about to meet Laban, and Rebekah. So Bethuel is the father of Rebekah. And once Rebekah and Isaac are married, Laban is going to become Isaac's brother-in-law. So the great thing about a podcast, if you need to hear that again, if you need to go through that, you certainly can. You can rewind it and get all of the people straight. So the servant, he pauses to pray. How would he know which girl to pick? She's got to be a special woman. She must love Isaac without seeing him or meeting him or knowing anything about him. She's got to love him more than her own family. She has to be from Abraham's people. She has to be godly, virtuous, and hopefully fair to look upon, which the scripture says she was beautiful. She had to be healthy and strong because she's got to make the journey over to her new home. She's got to be industrious because this was not going to be an easy life. She was going to be living with Isaac. She's got to be gracious, considerate, sensitive, compassionate, all those things. She had to be willing to make her home in Canaan. She has to be a virgin. Why? Because this would ensure that her offspring would only come from the son of promise, which is Isaac. She must trust Eleazar to become the bride of a man she has not seen, just as the church must trust the Holy Spirit to lead her to the son that we have not seen. And the servant offers us an example of a specific believing prayer. The girl must not only agree to give him water, but she's got to agree to give it to the camels and the fellow servants who also made that same long journey 
And she's also got to do this without complaint. And Rebecca shows up even before he's done with the prayer. She voluntarily gets enough water for all to drink. And then when the servant asks her who her family is, imagine his thrill at the answer. She is from Abraham's extended family. And notice the servant immediately worships God. And we've talked about worship to ascribe worth. He worships God giving thanks. And how does it look? I want you to notice something here. He bows his head. Remember that true worship is going to involve not just bowing your head, but bowing of your will before God's will. The servant gives three rings, one for the nose and two for the hands. And while this may seem a bit strange to us today, you know, it's strange to us today. That's what I was trying to say. Although I'm not really sure it's that strange anymore. I see people all the time with multiple piercings. But these are substantial gifts. These are not just some kind of oddity or something like that. These are substantial gifts. They implied that Abraham has wealth. And they could have possibly even signaled this servant's intentions. You know, this is more than just... Hey, thanks for getting me some water. And so now we're getting ready for Act 3. We return to the reading of the scripture, beginning at verse 28. Verse 28. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists. And when he heard the words of his sister, Rebecca saying, thus, the man spoke to me that he went to the man and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you about my errand. And he said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he was given all that he has. Now, my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be clear of this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water and I say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, drink and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please, let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, whose daughter are you? 
And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass, when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. So now we move on to dinner time with the family, <laughs> dinner time with the in-laws. And it was customary to wait for business after the meal. Um, you know, we'll discuss it after we eat. But the servant here states that he must give them the reason that he is here. After he has given them the reason for him being there, then they can eat. And at this point, Rebecca has relayed all the events of the day to her family. And we shift our attention now to this character, Laban. It appears that Laban speaks for the family. You'll notice that Bethuel was mentioned once, but then he's not mentioned again. And it's now Laban and Laban's mother. And R.C. Sproul comments that Bethuel was probably incapacitated. So remember, these men are getting old. So that's not just totally unthinkable. And we should respect the servant's request to get down to business before they enjoy the hospitality given by Rebecca's family. He wants to be clear. You know, the servant didn't show up and travel this great distance to have a party or a family reunion. He wants to be obedient to the orders that he's been given. And there's that possibility that the family could say no to his requests. And Rebecca's family is anxious to hear, and maybe they're even guessing a little bit. And so they tell the servant, go ahead with what you have to say. Speak on. And so the servant states his business and retells everything that we just read. And the reason it is repeated here is so that Rebecca can now hear the, uh, about the prosperous life of Abraham and Isaac. And remember that God was going to send his angel to prepare the way. So both the servant and Abraham expected God to do this. So we must never forget that there was a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in all of this. What's great to see at this point is the faith of Abraham, how it has grown, how his faith has matured. The angel going of, ahead of them no doubt uh, dealt with um, Rebecca's heart on this matter. But what's important here is that Abraham was expecting God to take care of it. That's the kind of faith he had. How are we going to know which lady to pick? Don't worry about it. God's got this. God's got the whole thing under control. Well, what if she says no? If she says no, you're released from my oath. In other words, think about this. Abraham is trusting that God is going to take care of this from start to finish. She's not going to say no. Why? Because the angel of the Lord has gone ahead. And you know, I, I love the reply of Rebecca's uh, brother and father. It's basically like saying, look, God's already taken care of this. He's already determined how this thing should go. And indeed, God already had decided on this matter. So with the question of marriage now settled, they can sit down and enjoy the meal. And we move on to Act 4. Act 4, the Bible says, beginning at verse 54, And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. And he said to them, 
Do not hinder me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. I hope you can notice there that um, at, at this point in our story, that each act opens with a question or attention or a complication, um, just as they gave us in their commentary. And um, that's what we have here. This scene opens with the servant asking to get started on the journey and the family saying, well, hold on a minute. You know, let's don't be so fast. It says if he is saying our business is done, let me be on my way. But notice what Laban and the other members of the family say, they're saying, let's take at least another 10 days. And while this phrase, it's idiomatic, it's similar to like if we were to say, hey, I'll see you in a day or two or a week or two. That's kind of what's going on here. But we need to remember this character Laban because we're going to see more about his character developing in coming chapters. But the point is, is that the family wanted her to linger just a little bit longer. So the question is taken to Rebecca and she settles it. She says, look, I'm ready to go. She will go with the servant to the place prepared for her. For her with who? With the son. The son of who? The father Abraham. And that son's name was Isaac. So while the family all seems to agree this meeting is of God and that clearly God has chosen Rebecca to be Isaac's bride, there's still some hesitation there the next morning. And remember, there's no biblical record that these folks had seen Abram and Sarai, because remember, that was their names, Abram and Sarai. Since they left home, they've been gone. Sarai is now dead. And they realize this might be the last time they will see Rebecca. It probably will be. But listen, when the Holy Spirit calls, we must be willing to leave all things behind, even family. Notice Rebecca was ready to go. And we should follow this example. Let's be ready. When he says, ready, go, we go. The nurse that goes with her, we learn her name is Deborah. And she becomes Rebecca's personal servant. And the English word here translated as nurse as a noun, like she is a nurse. She is a noun. Um, in Hebrew, it's a verb. And it literally means to suck. So it's likely that Deborah literally nursed Rebecca when Rebecca was an infant. And that's what it means to be nursing. We use that term today. And we also see that when Rebecca is finally ready to go, there are even more female servants or maids that go with her. And this speaks of Rebecca's own standing within her clan. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to mention to you that beginning at verse 60, we see a song or a poem of blessing for Rebecca. Specifically, it can be broken down into two parts if you look at it. And you may remember some of the comments we made about Hebrew poetry as we were looking at the book of Jonah last season. If you don't remember that, go back to uh, our study in the book of Jonah. Uh, the recording wasn't as great. Um, it, it, it wasn't that good. Um, I was learning. But the content is solid, if I do say so myself. So go back and, and listen as we talk about different parts of Hebrew poetry. But the two parts here that we want to take a look at is the blessing for Rebecca that deals with number one, her offspring, and number two, their victory. 
their victory over their enemies. So the idea here is, you know, may God grant you to be the mother of a multitude of people who conquer their enemies. So now with that being said, we're going to move on to our final act, Act 5, which begins at verse 62. Now Isaac came from the way of Be'er Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. No doubt it was a long ride home. No doubt on the way, Rebecca would have asked the servant about Isaac. What does he look like? What is he like? What does he dislike? I mean, can you even imagine the anticipation? She would want to be instructed on how do I act? She must have wanted to know all that she could know about her husband to be. And the servant comes alongside her to teach her of Isaac, just as the Holy Spirit comes alongside each one of us, the members of the church, to tell us about Jesus. Rebecca foreshadows the church just as Isaac foreshadows Jesus Christ. What a meeting this must have been between Isaac and the son, Isaac the son, and Rebecca his wife. She puts on a veil, which was the custom when meeting the husband to be. Imagine the calm exterior as everyone is being polite and trying to make their best impression, while on the inside Isaac is so excited. He must wait as the servant retells the whole story and the proper introductions are made. And then according to the custom of the time, Rebecca first goes to Sarah's tent, which had been vacant now for three years. I say custom of the time, not because of the death of Sarah, but because I would imagine that this is where provisions for women would be. So wedding preparations are made, and and then after they are married, Isaac takes her to his tent at Lehi Roy, which we will see in the next chapter. And they learned to love one another almost immediately. Listen, when God leads your marriage, physical, spiritual, and true love await you. God is faithful, and he will not let you down in this area of your life if He has plans for you that include a spouse. Are you willing to serve him even if he doesn't? But for the majority of people, we do have spouses. And I'm saying to you, trust God. He is faithful in this. Make him first in your life. He will not disappoint you. I want to call your attention to a few things about Rebecca and her marriage to Isaac as we get to the close of our study for this episode. Number one, and I'm going to number these out. So if you're taking notes, you could just write a number one. Number one, her marriage was planned long before she knew about it. Her marriage was planned long before she knew about it. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through four, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Number two, 
Rebecca was necessary for the accomplishment and completion of God's purpose. Ephesians chapter 1 again, go down to verse 22 and verse 23. He says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Number three, she was to share in the glory of the Son. Jesus states in his prayer of John chapter 17 and verse 22 and 23, this is Jesus praying, and this is what he says, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me. And this is the Son talking to the Father now. He says that they may be made perfect and one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I encourage you, go read John chapter 17. It's called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. It is amazing. The point is the bride is destined to share in the glory of the Son. Number four, she left all to go with the Son, go to the Son before seeing Him. She loved Him and was rejoicing with unspeakable joy. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of joy. Rebecca journeyed through the wilderness. Number five, Rebecca journeyed through the wilderness to meet him, guided by the servant. In Philippians 3.14, Paul says of himself, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So just as Rebecca journeyed through the wilderness, Paul states that he's going to press on to the prize, so we as members of Christ's church must continue the journey, knowing that the Holy Spirit is here to guide us. Number six, she was loved by and finally united with the Son. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Number seven, Isaac was promised long before his coming. And Luke records of Christ in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 70, this is what it says, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. The holy prophets told of Christ's coming. Isaac was promised. Jesus was promised. Number eight, Isaac finally appears at the appointed time. And guess what? So does Jesus Christ appear at the appointed time. Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Number nine, Isaac was conceived and born miraculously, so was Christ. Number ten, he was given a name by God before his birth, just as Christ was given a name before his birth, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Number 11, he was offered as a sacrifice, as a sacrifice by his father. Don't forget, we just read about in our last episode how Abraham was going to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. We see the father offering the son. And in 1 John 2, 2, we find that Christ was offered as the propitiation for our sins. What does that word propitiation even mean? It means, friends, that it has been credited to your account. The holiness of Christ accredited to you. He is your sacrifice. He is the one who has paid it all for his people. Isaac, number 12, Isaac was obedient unto death. And Philippians 2.8 says the same thing about Christ. Number 13, 
As we've already discussed in the last episode, Isaac was figuratively brought back from the dead. And as Christians, we preach, we teach, we believe that Christ not only was resurrected from the dead, but he lives forevermore. And he has promised the same victory for all those who trust him. With that, I will end this episode. I thank you again for meeting with me here whenever you are listening, whatever day or night it is, now or in the future. May you be encouraged, dear Christian, as you see the plan of God from the very beginning of time. again for listening to the forge podcast and don't forget to leave a review with comments let me hear from you leave a voice message through the link i hope and pray that you find ways to apply the truths of god's word in daily living remember dear christian you are forgiven it is by grace that you've been saved through faith may you grow in christ in the study of the bible and truly overcome wounds that were caused by sinful choices and actions of the past. I also pray that you are always reforming, seeking to glorify God in all that you say and do. Remember to be grateful to God for what he is working out, not only in you, but in all his creation as well. And lastly, be encouraged. Encouraged to serve God and others as you grow in him.